our scripture reading, we turn to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, the son of my womb, and what, the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink, and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb, in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works Praise her in the gates. We read that far. The text for the sermon is back in Proverbs 12. 
verse 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Finding a virtuous woman in this fallen, sinful world in which we live is almost to be likened unto finding a needle in a haystack or a diamond in the rough. As the proverb points out, her price is far above rubies. A virtuous woman is something very rare in the world and something very precious indeed. But we should not understand by that that a virtuous woman is a mere romantic ideal that does not actually exist. The way the Proverbs speak of the virtuous woman, it is clear that such a woman actually exists in the world. She is real. And in fact, for us, the children of God, it can be said that she is not far from us. She is very close to us, and she can be found right here among the people of God. The virtuous woman is the woman that is to be desired and sought after by the young man in the church who wants to have a wife. The virtuous woman is to be highly esteemed and valued by her husband and by her children. The virtuous woman is beautiful and greatly loved by God. A virtuous woman, according to our text, is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. What a wonderful encouragement that text is to you, godly women. A wonderful encouragement to you to avoid the kinds of behaviors that would make others ashamed and to aspire after the kind of virtue that is set forth in the scriptures. And what a tremendous reminder the text is to the rest of us to be thankful to God for those virtuous women whom he has given to us as our wives, and those virtuous women who are our mothers. So let's consider together the preciousness of a virtuous woman. Notice, first of all, that she is a beautiful work of God's grace. In the second place, she is a lovely woman of virtue. And finally, she is a priceless crown to her husband. The very existence of a single virtuous woman in this world is a testimony to the power of God's grace. God made a virtuous woman in the beginning. When he caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, 
And he reached into him and took out a rib. And out of that rib, he made a woman. And he brought the woman to Adam to be his wife, to be a help, meet for him. And when Adam saw her for the first time, he called her a woman, for she was taken out of the man. And he said, This is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. She shall be called a woman. Later, Adam gave her the name of Eve, for he said, She is the mother of all living. Eve was a crown to her husband. She was a virtuous woman, the first virtuous woman. And she was virtuous because of the fact that God made her in his own image and likeness. She, with her husband, was a reflection of the virtues of God himself. She was a reflection of God's righteousness and holiness and goodness and love. And she was a crown to her husband as they lived together in peace and harmony in the Garden of Eden. But then the serpent came, and as she was in the midst of the garden looking at the fruit of the two trees, he beguiled her to lust after the forbidden fruit, the fruit that God said, Thou must not eat of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. But the devil tempted her to believe the lie that if she would eat that fruit, she would become like God. And so she lusted after it, seeing it to be a pleasant fruit to the eyes and pleasant to make one wise and like a God. And plucking that fruit and eating it in disobedience to God, she became in an instant a woman that maketh ashamed, and that is as rottenness in the bones of her husband. She became a sinner. And she took that fruit to her husband and gave it to him, and he ate. And he also became ashamed and shameful, a man who was as rottenness in the bones of his wife. They both became totally depraved. They both became corrupt sinners, proud, angry, selfish, and lustful. And so they became as rottenness in the eyes of God as well. When God came to Adam and Eve after the fall, he said to her, in Genesis 3, verse 16, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. But God revealed himself to be a God of wonderful, beautiful, amazing grace. And by his beautiful grace, he redeemed the women of his choosing. And he made them virtuous women once again in Jesus Christ. God already revealed his wondrous grace toward women when he said to our first mother, Eve, there in the Garden of Eden after the fall, the mother promise when he said to her that she would become the mother of a child who would bruise the head of that serpent and who would bring salvation and victory. 
God revealed his wondrous grace toward women when he gave to godly Sarah the ability to adorn herself with a meek and quiet spirit and to be in subjection to her husband Abraham. And when God gave to her the ability to put off her laughing unbelief and to bring forth a child, Isaac, in her old age by faith. God gave her that faith, and he showed his amazing grace towards Sarah when she became a mother in the line of Christ. God showed his amazing grace to women when he sent the angel Gabriel to Mary in Nazareth to announce to her that she would become the mother of a Savior, and she would call his name Jesus, and he would be the Son of God and the Christ who would bring salvation into the kingdom of God. And then, at last, God manifested his love, not only for us men of his choosing, but for the women of his choosing, when he sent into the world his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who was born of a woman himself, who had a mother himself, and who was the one and only truly perfectly virtuous human being who has ever lived in all of history, who was perfectly righteous and holy, and who gave himself for the women that God loves on the cross. Jesus died for you, daughters of Zion. In his love for you, he gave himself for you to wash away all your sin and shame to wash away all of your iniquities so that he might present you to himself with the men whom he loves as his bride and take you to himself in his love for you. He laid down his life so that he could make you beautiful, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but to cleanse you, to forgive you, to justify you and turn you into his beautiful bride for all eternity. He has washed you in his blood. And because you belong to Christ, daughters of Zion, and because you are the bride of Christ, that means that the sorrows that you experience in bearing a child in your womb for nine months, the struggles, sometimes the sickness and the discomfort And finally, the travails of bringing forth that child into the world and the pain involved in that is no longer a curse unto you, but a blessing. Because belonging to Christ, God makes all things work together for your good. He turns all things to your advantage. And he makes them serve your eternal salvation. By the beautiful work of God's grace, He also makes you to be actually virtuous women through his spirit. The question that we heard in Proverbs 31 is, who can find a virtuous woman? And if you were to look around you in the world, if you would scan the nations, and if you would look out there in society, you will never find one. But if you turn your attention to the covenant of grace, if you look into the church of Jesus Christ among those women who confess faith in Jesus as their Lord, there 
you can find many virtuous women. These are not women of perfect virtue because they still struggle with their sinful natures as we men do. But these are women who show forth in their lives the fruit of the Spirit and who strive to live virtuously. These are women who would never claim to be virtuous and probably even to hear the reading of that scripture this morning makes them a bit embarrassed. They would never claim to be that virtuous woman. And yet, God says to us, through that scripture, these women whom I love are virtuous women. And the explanation is the power of his grace working in their hearts and in their lives. The power of God's grace which gives them the desire and the ability to adorn themselves with good works of charity and holiness, with a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price, and with the example of the holy women of old, like Hannah, who prayed and prayed for a child and promised that if the Lord would give her a son, she would take that child and dedicate him to the Lord for the rest of his life. These are women who follow that example and dedicate their children to the Lord. Like Mary, who preferred, rather than working in the kitchen when she had the opportunity, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his voice and to listen to his word. And like Tabitha or Dorcas, who died, who was a woman full of good works and alms deeds, whom Peter came to raise from the dead. These and many other examples are virtuous women. What a beautiful work of God's grace is every virtuous woman. A virtuous woman is the crown of her husband. She that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. As in many of the Proverbs, God teaches us his wisdom by way of a contrast. In our text, he gives us the contrast of the lovely, virtuous woman on the one hand and the unlovely woman that maketh ashamed on the other. On the one hand, there is a spiritually attractive, lovely, beautiful, godly, virtuous woman. And on the other hand, an ugly, unattractive, and undesirable woman that maketh ashamed. A woman that maketh ashamed is one whose attitudes and behaviors make her loved ones ashamed of her. The way she talks, the way she acts, the way she behaves makes her parents, her siblings, her husband, her children, her friends ashamed of her because she ignores the will of God for her life as it is revealed in the scriptures. And instead of striving to walk according to the will of God, she walks according to the will of someone else. She walks according to the ideas of the women of the world around her. Or she walks according to the ideas of her own selfish and sinful nature. 
She follows some other standard than that of the scriptures and the rule that God gives in the scriptures for her life. We find a description of her in many passages of scripture, also in the Proverbs. Proverbs 7, verse 11 describes her this way. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Proverbs 11, verse 22, As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman, which is without discretion. You have to imagine there a pig with a beautiful, bright, shining gold ring in its nose. And the proverb says, A woman who is without discretion, without wisdom, she is like that ring of gold. She might be physically beautiful, but she is like a jewel in a swine's snout. Proverbs 21 verse 9 says, It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. So you have to remember that the houses in Israel had flat roofs, and the proverb is saying it's better to dwell on the roof in the far corner of the roof than to dwell inside the house, no matter how spacious it might be, with a brawling, fighting woman. Proverbs 27, verse 15 says, A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. You think of the drip, drip, drip that frustrates and might annoy you on a rainy day. He says, contentious woman is like that. The woman who maketh ashamed is the opposite of what the apostles describe in the New Testament. First Peter, uh, First Timothy 2, the apostle calls women to adorn themselves as becometh women professing godliness with good works with charity, with holiness, with godliness. The woman who maketh ashamed is the opposite of that. She adorns herself with immodest apparel, with immodest clothing. And 1 Peter 3 says that the godly woman ought to have chaste conversation. The woman that maketh ashamed engages in unchaste behavior and unchaste conversation. Titus 2, the apostle says that Titus ought to teach the young women not to be false accusers, not to be given to much wine, to love their husbands, to love their children. The woman who maketh ashamed is a false accuser, a gossip, a busybody. She's given to too much wine, and she disregards the leadership and opinions of her husband. By her misbehavior and stubbornness, this kind of woman makes her loved ones ashamed of her. She makes her parents ashamed to be her parents. She makes her husband be ashamed to be her husband. She makes her children ashamed that she is their mother. She makes her friends grievously disappointed in her. But most importantly, she stands under the wrath of God unless she repents. And she must humble herself and repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in humility 
for forgiveness. This is on the one side of the contrast, and on the other side is the lovely, virtuous woman. The virtuous woman is one who is not yet perfect, one who still struggles with her sinful nature, and perhaps with all of the things we just described, she still struggles with temptation and sin, but she has been regenerated. She has been justified, and she is being transformed by the mighty grace of God. This is a woman who loves to sing, Oh, how love I thy law, it is my meditation all the day. This is a woman who loves God's word, and that is her standard in life. That is the way she wants to live her life. She wants to do the will of her heavenly Father, even though she falls short. She strives to live in obedience to God, to abound in good works, to abound in charity, and to live chastely and holy and godly in her life, to live in temperance and moderation in her speech, in the things she eats and drinks. What a beautiful description we find of her in Proverbs 31. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She is trustworthy. She is faithful in her labors. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She strives to do good to her husband, to be a blessing to him. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She is busy making clothing or buying clothing for her family. She goes out to the grocery store and she brings home a pile of food and drink for her family. Verse 15, she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She gets up while it is yet night, that is, early in the morning when the sun has not even risen yet. You might find her already awake, already preparing the breakfast and the lunch for her children and her family. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. We have a picture there of a a strong, hard-working, diligent woman. She stretcheth out her hands to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. Not only does she care for her children and her husband and maybe her grandchildren to some extent, but also when she notices a poor person, a needy person in the church. She makes them a meal and delivers that meal to their house. She gives them something to relieve their need. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. She thinks ahead. She's planning in the summertime, in the fall. She's planning for the winter. She's thinking of times to come to make sure that everyone is ready, that they have the right shoes and the right pants and the right 
sweaters and, and coats so that she's not afraid when the snow falls. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Her husband is known for having a wife who is a virtuous woman. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She's a woman with gifts, and she knows what her gifts and talents are. Maybe she's gifted at making fine linen. Maybe she's gifted in the area of of business and commerce. Maybe she's able to have a little business in order to help her husband with paying the bills. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She is not just silent all the time in the house, but she opens her mouth. And when she opens her mouth, wisdom comes out. Wisdom to her children, wisdom to her husband. She has good advice. She has good things to say. She points her children to Jesus. And she teaches them how to live. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. She's not known for being idle and lazy. She's not a busybody, but she's busy. She's active in all of her ways so that she makes sure all the needs of her family are met. Her children arise up and call her blessed her husband also, and he praiseth her. They can't help but appreciate her and compliment her because of her virtue. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. As we look at this whole wonderful description, we see that a woman who is virtuous is one who loves God, loves her husband, loves her children, who looks well after the ways of the household. She understands the vital importance of her role in that home. She understands the importance of her role as a helper to her husband in the running of the home and the raising of the children so that he safely trusts in her and in the confidence and conviction of her role And her importance, she busily and actively goes about her duties. That's the lovely, virtuous woman. That's the believing daughter of Zion. Every single one who, though still struggling with sin, strives also to be virtuous in all of these ways. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. A crown. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. There we see the contrast, once again. Rottenness in the bones. You just say it, and you realize what a terrible and horrible thing that must be, but... What is rottenness in the bones? What does it mean that a woman who maketh ashamed is like that? Well, the bones in our bodies, the skeleton, has been designed by God to give 
framework and structure and support to the whole body. So you need to have strong bones. And if you have strong bones, those bones give good support to your hands and your arms and your feet and your whole body so that you're able to sit down and to rise up, you're able to walk, you're able to hold on to things, to to write, to eat, to do all kinds of things. Oh, how we need healthy, strong bones. And therefore, just imagine what it means to have rottenness in the bones. The word rottenness can mean decay. It can mean dissolving. It obviously has the idea of a bone which is disintegrating from the inside. The marrow inside that bone is is not healthy. It's disintegrating, dissolving, weakening. And if there's rottenness in all the bones of your body, more and more your bones will become weak, weaker and weaker until they become so fragile that they will snap and break and fracture. We can imagine, too, that rottenness in the bones must be a very painful experience. A deep, deep ache, a deep anguish is felt inside the body when there is rottenness inside your bones. The text says that a woman that maketh ashamed is like that. That is... She is supposed to support her husband and her family. She is supposed to provide framework and structure in the home. But she's not doing that. She's living carelessly. She's living selfishly. She's neglecting her family and only fulfilling her own desires. And therefore, the bones are becoming rotten inside her husband and really inside her whole family. The bones, the structure of the marriage, the structure of the family is weakening until it will get to a point where it will snap. The family will fall apart. The marriage will fall apart. The whole thing will collapse. And mind you, that works both ways. Not only is it true that a woman that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in the bones of her husband, but also a husband that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in the bones of his wife and leads to the destruction of the home. What a tremendous deterrent that is for us, isn't it? There's God's word. There is a truth. There is the wisdom that we need to hear. And God gives that to us as a deterrent. He gives that to us as a warning not to move in that direction, not to move away from the way he teaches us to live as a godly, virtuous woman, to avoid those attitudes and behaviors which make our loved ones ashamed and which cause damage, both as husbands and wives. But then the contrast. A virtuous woman, how different she is. She is a crown to her husband. What exactly does that mean? A crown. 
If rottenness in the bones is something very terrible, horrible, and destructive, a crown is something very wonderful, and beautiful, and precious. And it shows the great preciousness of a virtuous woman. After all, a crown is a precious thing. A crown is made out of gold, usually. And gold is one of the most precious elements in the world. Gold has retained its value throughout the millennia of history. So you have a golden crown studded with emeralds, diamonds, and rubies. And oh, how precious that is. And a crown is usually a symbol of kingship, a symbol of honor and respect. And the text says that a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. Just as a king loves his crown, he treasures it. He considers it precious. He takes hold of it with utmost gentleness and care. He doesn't want to damage it when he places it upon his head. For all to see, he proudly wears it because he wants everyone to see his crown. He does not let others wear it. It is very dear to him. He is very careful with it. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. She is exceedingly precious to him. Not because of her external beauty, but because she is a virtuous woman. The husband is not proud of his wife and liking to show her off like King Ahasuerus when he wanted his wife Vashti to come in front of all the men to show off her beauty. But the husband considers her his crown because of her godliness because of her virtue, because of her love for the Lord. After all, the chapter ends with this word, favor is deceitful. Grace, external gracefulness, is deceitful. And beauty is vain, external beauty. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. So in conclusion, young men, you can see obvious application to you who are not yet married. The application is obvious. The virtuous woman is the one that a young man ought to desire, the one he ought to seek after, not the one who has outward gracefulness and beauty, although he may be attracted to her at first glance, But the woman that he desires to marry ought to be the one who is virtuous, the one who fears the Lord, because that external beauty is vain, the scripture says. You don't know what lies behind it. But the woman who fears the Lord in her heart, now she is to be praised. So young men, seek a virtuous woman to be your wife. And married men, the application ought to be clear as well. Oh, how thankful we ought to be for the virtuous women that God has given to us to be our wives, to walk down life's path together, hand in hand as friends and companions, to share a life together, memories together, to raise children together. Are we thankful? 
for the virtuous women God has given us. They are virtuous, and they are a tremendous gift. We are to be thankful for them. They're the mothers of our children. They're the grandmothers of our grandchildren, the great-grandmothers for some of us, of our great-grandchildren. And finally, we can see that all of us ought to be thankful for the virtuous women in our lives, whether they're our sister, whether they're our mother or grandmother or wife or daughter, or a sister in Christ in the church. Let us thank God for them. Proverbs 31 verse 28 says, Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. And the last verse of the last chapter of Proverbs says, Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Amen. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do give thanks to Thee for Thy gift of women of virtue. We who are thy daughters give thanks to thee for thy work in our lives. We are humbled as we know that we are sinners as the women of the world. And thou hast done a beautiful work of grace in our lives to deliver us from the power of Satan, to justify and forgive, and to make us virtuous. And we pray that we might grow in virtue And may all of us be thankful and give honor unto those women thou hast placed in our lives. Go with us now in this coming week. Care for us in our marriages and families and in our work. May we do all to the glory of thy name. Forgive all our many sins.